You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 270, brought to you by C2E2 and iFanboy listeners just like you. Yay. Not the same. Welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 270. My name is Ron Richards, and as always, I'm here with Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. And the venerable Josh Flanagan. Balls. <laughs> Interesting choice. We are, from Balls. The we-, we are from the website iFanboy.com, which is a website all about comic books. And for the past 10 years, we've been reading lots of comic books. And every week, one of us comes to the website and writes a review, which is deemed the pick of the week, the one comic book that week that that person enjoyed the most. And then we come here to talk about it on the podcast as well as some of the other comics that came out and other wonderful things in the world of comic book culture for you to enjoy. We are here to entertain you. Before we get to the show, though, a quick reminder slash warning, we're going to be reviewing the books. We're going to be talking about what happens in them, so we're going to spoil shit. So if you're not prepared for that, press pause, read your books, oh, come we- back later, or just go away. You downloaded it already, so what the hell do we care? Are we getting uh, raw? Are we getting raw this week? It's family friendly this week. I think we're getting raw. So, nice. um, <laughs> so that said, this week Connor had the pick, and uh, and shocking, I was shocked. Before we get, I mean, get into the book, we've had, it's been weird in comics the last month. I think like last week was this huge the week where month? I had almost thirty books, and then the week before was dead. The week before that was dead. This week was dead. Next week is huge again. I think I had a lot of books for me this week. Everybody oh. kept saying it was dead, but I was like, I, was I had very- six. Yeah, I had That's I had fucked. which for me, for me having six. Yeah. It's crazy. I think they need to do a better job of spreading out their product because people tend to drop books on on big weeks even though they're, they're monthly. You, you know buying. what you should do, Connor? DC just uh, opened up the letter columns again. You should write a letter. I'm going to write a letter. Yeah. Can you just <laughs> you, can you just send an email to somebody you know? <laughs> I think we, um, I think we can make that happen. So this week I had I didn't have a lot of books and as I wrote my pick of the week review, I was getting really nervous because <laughs> I was like three quarters of the way through the stack, and I was like, wow, there's just nothing really good so far. I mean, everything was just kind of okay. There's a few things that I didn't like, but almost every book I finished going, yeah, that was that was pretty good, but nothing that was like I could even come up with an angle for pick of the I, week. I hate that feeling. And I was getting to the end, and I was like, oh, God, I'm going to have to email the guys and get one of them to cut for me because I got nothing. But then luckily, the last book I wrote was Brightest Day 19, which ended up being the pick of the week because for the second issue in a row, it had a shocker of an ending that got me... Oh that. my god! Well, what cracked me up was that the um, the cover. The, there's a character on the cover, and I got through three quarters of the book. I'm like, he's not even in the issue. <laughs> well, the the character covers Black Manta, and the issue says Aqua War in the cover. And basically, it starts off with the, with the aftermath of Hawkman and Hawkgirl being incinerated by the White Lantern ring, who then proceeds to tell Dead Man. A, why everyone was resurrected in Blackest Night, and B, why it killed Hawkman and Hawkwoman, and C, what's coming. So we're finally getting some answers about what, what the whole deal is with the series. There's basically a impurity in the world caused by people's bad feelings and badness and, and all the bad stuff, and it's coming as a manifestation, as a creature, and the people that have been brought back are going to fight this creature, but the uh, Hawks weren't in, down for that, so they were killed. So then we cut to Aquaman and Aqualad who are racing to stop an invasion of, of the surface by Siren, who is Mera's sister, right? That's her name, Siren. And the outcast Atlanteans who had been outcast and, and a, a long time ago and, and Mera had been sent from them to kill Aquaman, but she fell in love. And, that, and then, so that was the whole backstory we've been learning through the series. So Siren's about to invade a beach 
And Aquaman and Aqualad are racing there. They get there just in time for the invasion to happen in this great two-page spread from Ivan Reese. And then there are all this bloody battling going on on the beach. Aquaman ends up facing off against Siren, as often happens. The big dramatic battle, the two leaders always meet in the phase field of battle. And he's, he's about to skewer her with his trident because she reveals that she just cut Mira's throat before the invasion. And as he's about to skewer her, Black Manta appears behind him and slices off his right hand. Literally out of nowhere. I mean, like, talk about the... I mean, like, it's funny because I was, I've been having a lot of conversations this week about the mechanics of comics. And I really feel as if we've gotten away from the, the left page, right page, turn the page reveal. Yep. And this used that so well. You turned the page and it was shocking. Oh, I, I actually went, what? I yelped. Like, I totally yelped. <laughs> it was this big full page splash of him getting his hand chopped off, the hands flying, there's blood, and then, uh, you oh, know. And the, the dialogue was fantastic. Yeah, it falls to his knees, cradling his hand again, and Manta's like, you should be used to that by now. No, no, what are you crying about, Aquaman? You should be used to that. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> you just read that like Tom Caters. <laughs> It was just this great shocking moment, and, and they had one last month, and you don't normally get, at least for me, it's hard at this point, after so many years of reading comics, to be truly shocked in a story. You can usually see what's coming, and I just thought they'd gotten over that, and of course, I don't think his hand's going to stay gone, just like I don't think the Hawks are going to stay dead. I think it's just a nice dramatic moment, but for me, it was one that I really, after a law, a big, not a big stack, but a stack of comics that really didn't move me, to have an actual moment where I turned the page, and I was shocked, and I gasped, and I yelled, and it was, it was How- that's what's great about reading comics. How many times does Aquaman have to have his hand cut off so that the next time it happens, he'll just go, "Oh, oh, come on!" Again, like he won't even be mad about it. He will just be, he will just be just annoyed. Ah, oh, the third come time. On. The third time. Okay, um, I can't. Yeah. I want to read that. Tell me when that happens. <laughs> I, so just, I, mean, I can't there's, even there's believe not, this, you guys. <laughs> there's not a lot to discuss here. I mean, really, it was just about one moment being dramatically exciting and and fun, and it's just great art in this issue from the art team who's. Got lots of people on. I don't even want to figure who's doing what, but two-page spreads, big full-page shots, and the the battle was crazy full of action. And I just really enjoyed this issue, and particularly this moment in a week where so I didn't. So really- was it truly just the 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 like if the if the last three pages didn't happen? I mean, would the issue have been the pick of the week anyway, or was it the? No, I mean that's this part. It was the main part of it. It's yeah. the, it was the dramatic turning point of the story in this issue. So it's you know you take a, you're taking away the climax of the story. So right. obviously not. And, then, and plus the fact that we got answers finally about what's going on. And it was, I mean, again, I'm putting this through the lens of a week where I didn't, I didn't love anything else but this issue. So yeah. I don't want to say the bar was low, but it was. I still, well, the thing is that he said we got some, we got some answers. I, I'm still not satisfied. No, I didn't say we yeah. got all the answers. Yeah. We got some more answers. We, now we know why they're back, at least. We know that something is coming. And it's going to come rather rapidly, I assume, because we only have about five more issues in the series. I would but. like to know what the White Lantern voice sounds like. <laughs> Hello, I am White Lantern. <laughs> Oh, interesting. You went in that direction. <laughs> I'll read some it'd be, weird if it was, it'd be weird if it was one of those underwater voices. Mystic heightened by contamination of the world's life web. It's very soul. That's what it sounds like to me. <laughs> so it's like it's like pseudoscience fiction robot-y voice, right? Like, Donna, can I, can I ask a question? Yes. You do voices? <laughs> I almost answered in the voice. Yes, Josh. <laughs> wow. Wow. I'm, I don't think I've ever heard that. So that's why this pick of the week. It was a, just a fun moment. It got me viscerally. I didn't see it coming. I was mad about it because you guys know I'm, a, I'm an Aquaman fan. I never loved the uh, hook. I've never loved the hand. Oh, I, I love the hook. I think I, I thought hook. it was great. No, I've never liked that. So I'm ha- I was that, pissed that it was gone. But pissed in a good way. You you let you know. Yeah. You don't necessarily have to love everything that happens to the characters you like. That's part of the dramatic tension of the story. I don't like that he lost his hand, but I like that he lost his hand. You know what I'm saying? Like. 
did you say, oh, come on? I didn't say it like Joe Bluth, but I did. Did you yell Lucille? <laughs> Lucille! Lucille! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was another book that I read that I really did quite enjoy. was Superboy 4. Again, I think the art keeps me from loving the book. It's still Pierre Gallo, and it's still the crazy... European fashions on uh, tight, too tight clothing on the farm boy. But I thought story-wise, this was the best issue by far. And I think Superboy's following the arc of other Jeff Lemire books in that it's a slow build. And I think that he's been layering each issue. And by now, it's issue four. It's, he's telling a really compelling story in this issue. Uh, in the end of the last issue, this guy appeared out from the future, and he's he's got information for Superboy, and he's going to help him. And it's, this whole issue is about introducing him to the world and and getting answers about the future. And he shares his memories, and then at the end we find that he's actually a villain from the present who's going to betray Superboy. So it was, an, it was another dramatic twist that I didn't see coming, and leads to a lot of ooh, that's going to be interesting because now there's a he's got this ally who's not really an ally, and you know what will happen there, and that's that was really fun. But to me, to me, I just can't get behind the art for right now. It's just it's just you I don't know. To, if it works for you this want book. to come fly with me? I'm Superboy. Come look at my pants. Come let us fly. <laughs> Do you like my glasses? Do you like them? Yeah. Come, I'm Superboy. Yeah. So you guys have dropped off this book, I assume. Oh yeah, like yeah, it's quicker. Yeah, really I read, fast. I read, I read the first one. Yeah, yeah. I, read, I read the first one. I mean, I like the art, you know, but it's just, I, it's, it's the big S just turns me off. Yeah, I just say that just to piss Connor off. That was not, no, I mean, it just, it just that it, it's. <laughs> no, I don't. I wouldn't expect you to read this book, yeah. but uh, I just wasn't interested. And then the art didn't help. No, the art doesn't help. Even the story that, better. You know, it wasn't even that the art was bad. It's just that he, like, the way that they had him dress looked ridiculous. The art was fine, but the sort of design, I guess, was like it was. It was. I was just. I kept looking at it. And I it kept making me go, "This is ridiculous. Why is he dressed like that?" Yeah, no, no it takes you completely out of the story. I completely agree. That's one of the reasons why I can't really love the book. If it had been a different artist, this might have been a pick week because the story was really strong. But hmm. there you have it. What they should do is give him one of those haircuts, like uh, early Peter Parker from Ultimate Spider-Man. Or they should have Brian Lee draw it. <laughs> they should have uh, get him one of those hats like uh, like Ultimate Iceman has. Oh the yeah, durag. the do rag. Right. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's yeah. the way to go. Yep. Still got it, by the way. That's the, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yes, Ryan Otley. I would say that my pick of the week this week was Invincible seventy seven. This Viltrumite war has been going on for a while, and you know it's it's a war, so every issue is just chock full of. Ryan Ollie's just cutting people up and blood splatters everywhere. Well, but, but but what was interesting about this was that there was no war in this issue, though. Right, right. But there I mean, was like still, there, there were all, all, all the like, oh. yeah. Well, all the blood. I mean, all the blood splat and all that stuff. And that, that was my one criticism in this issue was that there was a lot of. I mean, it opens up with the, you know with the Vultramites you know destroying the Pentagon and killing Cecil and and destroying all the Earth's heroes and then you know a great evisceration of Adam Eve I thought that was awesome yeah. that that was that two-page spread and it turns out that it's just what's going on in Invincible's head as he's speculating what's going on if the Vulturemites are on Earth as, I actually agree with that because I I, yeah. I don't like dream sequences just as a rule or fantasy sequences or whatever there was but, no tra- but, there was no transition between it it was yeah, just yeah well, well, it's because I think the idea is supposed to work like it's you've snapped out of it and you yeah. thought, you're right. like, oh, I'm back. I mean, I got but, it. I understood it. But so you, you've got a lot of downtime as Invincible and, and his dad are on the ship racing to Earth before the Vultramites get there. So, But what, what really made me like it, though, was that once again, 77 issues in, you're like, okay, the whole time the big bad in this series has been the Vultramites. When are they going to fight? You know, when when is it all going to come home to roost and when's the other shoe going to drop? And the Viltrumite War is when that happened. 
but you get to the end of it and there's a stalemate and now you have a new status quo set up and I was like all right that's good yeah no like, I, so I, I was impressed as well yeah I like that it. that lurking anxiety in the background is now going to be here because like he's got to you know got to make this choice he doesn't want to make it was it's you know? very it's very um well to, to explain to everybody so they go back to earth and they're they're fearing the worst because they they got word that the vulture mites were going to go hit them where it hurts and and so um and they get back and everything seems to be fine and so they're like, oh, maybe the Vulture Mites aren't here. But then the Vulture Mite leader makes himself. I'm here. Goes, I'm, right I'm actually, you. who, by the way, and I understand that, that uh, Invincible's dad has the gray temples. But half the time, I think that the Vulture Mite leader is his dad because of that mustache. No way. Yeah, but, um, but mustache. Yeah, but he's, got a, he's, he's a younger dude. He's got a furry cape. And, um, and he basically says, we're at a stalemate. This is done. You know, you destroyed our world. You destroyed our people. So it's natural. You know, like we're done. We're not going to fight anymore. But we're staying here on Earth and there's nothing you can do about it. And, and 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 those shots of the Viltrumites like undercover. Yep. And like like the girl on the bench, you're like, well, this this isn't going to work. I like the motorcycle dude with the eye patch and smoking. Yeah. Like, like the, the, yeah. the street tough. Like, yeah. But um, yeah. And so so the idea is like there's a handful where they're like thirty or whatever of them left. Thirty seven. Yeah. And so there are thirty seven <laughs> Viltrumites who are gonna who are gonna live on Earth amongst humans. And it's and he's saying, listen, you can either we can fight now and keep going and keep going in circles, and or we can just accept this truce. But you know, invincible of course is saying, well, no, I'm not going to let you be on our planet, knowing the threat you're going to, you know, you're going to intermix, you're going to like spread, you know, like. And honestly, it's like it's almost like a, a little bit of a Battlestar take in that mm-hmm. there's that you you know there's this presence amongst the people, and but you don't know who to trust. And it's a great status quo. It's a great status. Uh, quo. Yeah, and it, it, I mean, like it's huge. It's yeah. there. It's not going anywhere, and it really affects. How do you not think about that all the time? But at the same yeah. time, it does let this little sort of war thing end, and they can get back to their own life. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, which is good, and get us finally back to Earth, and just you know, kind of relax, and you know. Um, but yeah, I thought it was, and it was, it was, and it was dramatic at the, you know, because at the end it was like basically invisible, you know, having to decide, and he thought he wasn't gonna, wasn't gonna go with it, but then he's got that one last flashback of all the Voltramites destroying Earth, and goes, okay, fine, yeah, yeah. So I, it, it'll be interesting if that's the that's the new case. And now you've got a villain. I mean, like it's you know that that's the one thing that Invincible's kind of lacked recently, other than the Vulture threat. But is like, who is Invincible's arch nemesis? You know, like who is you know who is the Rogues Gallery? I mean, there are people. There have been you know there have been people like the dude with the brain, Angstrom. You know, mm-hmm. Angstrom Levy. Angstrom Yeah, but that kind of got dealt with and stuff like that. But now I like the idea that there's a threat. You know, and stay. On I Earth. like the idea that you know the most obvious choice is that they're just going to fight someday. Yeah. Or. You know, what if he gets all angsty to to maybe know more about them or he gets friendly with some of them or it happens to the younger brother or, you know, like there's all stuff that can happen that, that will lead to conflict. So, yeah. Uh, maybe it's some sort of enemy I don't even know about. Some sort of dark lacy enemy. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know. Hot. Um, so <laughs> Hulk 29. Um, Hulk 29 <laughs> continues my total love affair with the Hulk. Yeah. I just can't. Yeah, I, uh, it's so good. Although, I was really excited that we got that we got to see the change and and they were shoving it in our face that the mustache wasn't there. Yeah, yes. <laughs> that was it was just it was it was just uh flagrant is what it was. Well, and so, and so this it's is, not just your love affair with Hulk; it's Jeff Parker's love affair with giant monsters this month. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah. It, Which, it's like, it's no, 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 nothing wrong with it. I thought oh. it was fun. I thought this was another fun issue. It was. I mean, if the only knock is that it's more of the same, which is not a knock, not a bad knock. It's, it's more of the same good stuff. Well, they resolve. Um, well, they resolve the storyline. I mean, they, they sure. But I mean, yeah. it's it's the same good stuff we've seen the last. I don't care. I could sit there for an hour and, and look at Gabe Hardman drawing the Hulks jumping around and fighting uh, yeah. for days. Yes, yeah, absolutely. You, you're not wrong. And also, there was actually some really good character development with, with Ross. Yeah. 
I thought one thing is interesting is that when Ross is Red Hulk, he's still Ross, but when Hulk is Hulk, Hulk and Banner are two separate people. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I was like, that's really. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, and, and I thought that was also interesting, the, the explanation at the end where Banner's explaining. He's like, listen, you know, the problem with your powers is that, you know, you're, you've, you've got, you know, gamma radiation and storage cells, and you're either going to lose Ross or you're going to lose the Red Hulk, and we don't know which one you're going to lose. Or you may already have. Yeah, like, exactly, yeah. No. Um, and you, you get a bunch of reveals. You get a bunch of reveals that Banner lied to, to Ross about, you know, the, the, you know, he didn't surgery him or do any, you know, undo what MODOK did, which I thought was funny where Banner was just like, I'm not a surgeon. I'm a physicist. Yeah, he's like, I'm a a physicist, not a brain surgeon. You know, like I would have made you worse. You know, (laughs) Um, I like Banner. I really like Banner. I don't know why. Yeah, no, I agree. I think you could handle Banner. Yeah, and then Uh, it's it's all about that that last page Modok splash. That was awesome. Ooh, Spider (laughs) Modok. Creepy. Good. Creepy. It was it was a great issue, and it was just like. How do people not consider Gabe Hartman like the best guy working on a superhero comic right now? He's fantastic. It's like it's just, it's just fantastic pages. Yeah, loved it. Yeah, he's great. Now, Transformers Infestation was the first issue of the Infestation <laughs> crossover. Now that it's out into the oh, different this is, universes, this is our next chapter. This is this is and this is Archie. <laughs> this is like oh, it's great. Well, now Infestation. Now it was because you think okay, Transformers versus zombies. That's a fight over rather quickly. Because there's nothing for the zombies to bite. There's no brains. Oh, there's interesting. No, just step on them, and yeah. it would be over. But what they do here is they've turned the zombieism into a disease or a virus that not only resurrects dead humans, but it resurrects dead Transformers. So it's really just Transformers <laughs> versus zombie Transformers. So it's like techno-organic? I guess. I don't really care. The details <laughs> don't really make any sense. But it's just dumb enough that I'm really enjoying it for that reason and also just like i said last week clinging on hope that at the end all these worlds will smash together and peter venkman will team up with optimus prime but in that sense i enjoyed it and you know if i looked at it critically it probably would fall apart but uh you know it's abnett landing so there's that they sort of threw you on in the middle of it they were like you know what we're not sure we can explain this so let's just act like it's already happening yeah you know galvatron uh, Megatron. Galvatron is a whiny little bitch in this one. Yeah, but bet no, and, and I put this in the best panels of the week. But honestly, Cup going, no, no, it's all happened before, and Prime just being a dick. <laughs> Optimus Prime goes, I don't, I don't have the patience for this. Like, no, you're not, you're not listening to me. I gotta admit, this whole infestation thing. Like, I'm glad you're reading it because I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna read it. But it just, it's so crazy that I like it. That's why I like it because yeah. it's dumb. It's just like I it's, can be good. It's, it's like, just, listen, we've got we've got these licensed properties, and we got to so keep exploitative. Yeah, we've got you know like the the, the, the like we got to keep them in their own little corners. Like, did they have to go to Hasbro and get approval to do this? I'm sure, they did. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, oh, it's amazing. Oh, I don't know. I, but I, if they don't end up crossing over everybody over, I will be severely disappointed. Yeah. Oh, totally. I will burn something down. Because I got to tell you, there was a long history of fantastically awful Star Trek crossovers. Yes. Yes. And so this Star is Trek's next week. Yeah. Oh, the, so Star that Trek that's your goal. And then Ghostbusters, I feel, is, is the wild card. Yes. Yeah. Well, the zombies. And go- that is so dependent on the performances of those actors. I mean, Star Trek is kind of, but there's a long history of Star Trek comics and stuff. Sure. But yeah. You know, is Peter Venkman's dialogue the same when Bill Murray's not saying it? No. So it's right. Are you gonna read? It in a Bill Murray Venkman voice. In I'm, read it in I'm my going to I'm going white. to read it like Lorenzo Music, the voice of the animated series, also Garfield. Wow, oh. wow, yeah. Where'd that come from? I don't know. <laughs> Are you scared or impressed or both? A little bit a little of both. both. Yeah, a little yeah. bit of both. Yeah. All right, that's what I. I anyway. All right. Good night, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
All right, so, uh, hey, are you excited for comic book conventions? Because they're starting up again. March is packed with a bunch of comic book conventions, with the biggest one being C2E2 in Chicago, Illinois, from March 18th to the 20th. They've moved to the West Building at McCormick Place. This is a, it's a, more of a fan-friendly environment. Not what a was unfriendly about the last one? Uh, well, if you listen to Tom vs. Aquaman, you can hear Tom describing some of the problems with last year. I won't get into it. But, um, <laughs> so. They adjusted. They fixed it and they put it in a place named after steak seasoning. Exactly. Uh, well, it was in McCormick Place last year, and now it's in the West Building at McCormick Place. Still so not. Well, you don't have to get to the building and then walk a mile to get to the actual floor. No, I, I, I actually don't know. We should look at that menu. But uh, the menu, map. But now you're hungry for steak. Tickets are still available. Um, they've got VIP tickets for $150 where you get full access to the floor as well as access to the VIP lounge. You get a signed Ivan Reese C2E2 poster, a couple of Marvel C2E2 variant comics, including Amazing Spider-Man number 642, um, which is awesome. Uh, but you could also just pick up a weekend pass for $50 if you, um, if you purchase by March 14th. So go to C2E2.com to do that. Guests include Brian Michael Bendis, Ivan Reese, Adam Hughes, Ben Templesmith, Cliff Chang, Gene Ha, Jeff Darrow, Mike Norton, Paul Cornell, Scott Snyder. Scotty Young, Tony Moore, and many, many more. Um, go to C2E2.com. They're announcing cool stuff about the con every week. They're an- announcing new guests. Um, I bet you they've even announced somebody since we last uh, since we last heard about it. Um, some kind of announcement we've never even some kind of some before. kind of attendance, some guests that we don't even know about. Um, yes, in fact, they've added uh, John Berthall. Actor, actor in The Walking Dead, the guy who plays the uh, not Rick, but the other dude. What's his name? The best friend. The yeah. best friend. Yeah, yeah. The, the neck guy. The not Rick guy. The, yeah, the, guy the, southern, the guy with the southern, the guy with the southern, the southern accent. There's a bunch of people from Walking Dead going to be there. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's going to be huge. And uh, Timo Peniket will be there as well from Battlestar. So yeah, so go to c2e2.com. Make sure you follow him on Twitter and and fi- uh, be a fan of it on Facebook and keep abreast of all the great news at c2e2. March 18th to the 20th. Hope to see you there. What's this about breast now? What? Jonah Hex 64, Josh, I thought was a very weird issue, and I don't know that I liked it. I kind of did, but... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I did you think like, it was weird, or am I just nuts? I was like, is this a five-star or a three-star issue? I can't tell. I gave it three, because... Yeah, I think I did two, after all. Yeah, yeah. There was a couple of weird moments in it that actually made me like it more, because it, it stuck to that sort of hex thing. You know, in the bar, when the guy came up, and I was like, oh, that's that's always fun to see one of these, where he's like, sure, walk sure. away. Go sit out. Like, those are, like, the fun moments. And then the really odd moment, when the the girl comes in to kill Jonah, I also really, I like the mechanics of what he did. Like, he took the mattress off the bed and put the bed on the floor so that his feet touched the door. I really like that a lot. So she comes in, and she's going to kill him. And then, (laughs) I guess they sleep together? Or... I don't, I don't know. The thing is, he rides into town. He meets this girl. She like feeds him. She washes his clothes. She gives him a bath. She's like very friendly with him, but he's not really interested. And then, and then because she's weird. Yeah, and then they have this weird tension because she's a bit bizarre and, and overly friendly. And then she tries to kill him. That doesn't work out. She starts to leave town. She chases him. She bumps into this funeral procession. The widow smacks her for disrespecting the funeral. She punches the widow in the face, and the town beats her to death. And that's the end. <laughs> I mean, like when you describe it like that, like the beats of it, it's just odd enough that I kind of do like it. But it was sort of, it was just like, it was a little odd. I didn't dislike it. I just finished yeah. it and was like, uh, weird. Yeah. No, I, I would say that's, that's right. And that, I mean, um, it wasn't bad. It was weird. That's all. Sticking with the West, Witchfinder Lost and Gone Forever, number one out from Dark Horse. It, it looks like a Hellboy book. Uh, it's, the Edward, it's the Edward Gorey book, right? Yeah. yeah. Edward Gray. Go- Gray um, or Gorey? That's great. I don't have it in front of me right now. But it doesn't matter because the reason to show up for this, and we talked to Arcudi about this two years ago on, on a Talk Explode, was John Severin. Dude is in his 90s. Oh, my God. I, really, 
wonderful, wonderful art. And I, I was reading this and I was like, you know, it'd be cool. It'd be cool as shit to see John Severn do a, an issue of Scalped. I think that would be the greatest thing. Because Severn, Severn's got that long history of, uh, yeah, that would be good. He would be great with that. Yeah, I mean, um, I just, but but either way, just to look through the the quality that this guy's doing still after after he's in his nineties or something like that. It took him a really long time to get this one done because we, I mean, like I said, we talked about it like two years ago, but it's good. Oh, it, it is Edward. The character is Sir Edward Gray. I thought when yeah. I saw the cover, I saw Edward and Gr, and I just thought it was an Edward Gorey character. <laughs> no, uh, no, it's a character I think who's existed before. I don't really know uh, much about it, but he's yeah. the he's the witch finder. I assume he's going to find the witch, but it's it's like. Uh, it's a western so far, you know. A guy, stranger walks into town, starts asking questions. Everyone's like, "Don't ask questions," and then shoots a bunch of people. You know, what more could you want? John Severn's drawn it. It's it's one of those like like those Arcudi stories. They don't really smack you in the face. They just sort of move along nicely and make you want to see the next thing. And they're just done really well. This was more of that. It was very fun. Yeah. I, since I only bought six books, I'm hard pressed between uh, two to be my pick of the week. But it's probably gonna end up being Sweet Tooth number eighteen because I first picked it up and I didn't know that it was a gimmick issue. Mm-hmm. And, oh, a sideways issue. Yeah, right? was, yeah. Well, gimmick issue. So basically, the cover is presented sideways. I thought it was a calendar for a second. I was like, it looks like a calendar. But then it's a sideways issue, and it starts off very prose based and almost like a children's book. And I got really annoyed real quickly, mainly because I didn't. I, I just don't want to read all this prose. But also, I didn't like the font they used. But then, um, <laughs> even I noticed it was a bad font. So. Yeah, yeah. But then, then it moves into and it goes back into sequential storytelling. And there was something about this story that was just that was so it was the great like kind of breath of fresh air issue I think we needed between what just happened and where they're where they're going from now. And then also I thought the art and the coloring was just spot like I I don't know what Villaruba did he changed it because it's like the 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 kind of uh, children's book storybook kind of style. But I just loved the coloring in it, and I just thought by the end of it I was like oh I I love this issue. So. And it was a good sort of defining where Jeopard and and Sweet Tooth are in their relationship. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that. Do we know Sweet Tooth name? Because at one point he said, "Don't call me Sweet Tooth anymore." And I was like, "Gus, isn't it Gus?" Oh, you're Gus. right. It is yeah. Gus. You're yeah. right. Blah. But also, I thought, I thought, I mean, the panel structure. I mean, it, it's you know almost like an eight panel grid per page um, that Lemire was using for it. You know, eight or, or six, depending on what you know. But he, he fluctuates as needed. Uh, you know, move the story along. You know, and it's it's it, bo- it was bookended with the prose. So the first couple pages were the prose, and it ended with the ended with the prose. But I just thought it was great. It was just innocent. It was a nice little winter tale, nice little snow, you know snow and fun. It was mm-hmm. really nice. Totally. And seriously, people, you know, I know we joked before about DC bringing back the the letter pages, but it, you know, write a letter to Sweet Tooth because it's. It, I was I, I went to it and I saw there were no letters. I was like, oh, so so write them a letter. Sweet Tooth's one that deserves one. So go to dcletterspage.com. dot so. com. Letters are good. Yeah, they're fine. Yeah, I can't um, wait. I can't wait though for the next month. Next month's issue, they tease it, but it's got guest artists. It's got Matt Kent, uh, Nate Powell, and Emmy Lennox doing art, which is it would be really interesting to see other artists doing these characters. Yeah. I will, but it was. But you're right. It was. It was a good issue. I was kind of at first. I thought the same things. GI Joe number twenty six. Now, Connor, are you still reading this one? Yep. Yeah. Again, I don't have it in front of me, but the artist Robert Atkins, I yep. think he, he was on it early. I was reading this. I'm going. I don't know why this is better than it used to be. I no, just, he's better. The artist Robert Atkins is better. The art style is more appropriate. It was much more cartoony when in the original. You yeah. Know, when it first started. It's much. Gr- it seems like a grittier book than it was also when it started. I, I, I just was reading through it and I was like, this art looks great. And I remember I was thinking to myself, I was like, I'm going to find out who this guy is and I'm going to be like, he's going to be a big star. And then I was like, oh, this is the same dude who was on the book before. But yeah, like, it just. The style has evolved. Yeah, but it, just to make it, it was just more appropriate for the book. It was just very, like, technical and more realistic, I guess. It was very crisp. And I thought that that actually fit in with the book really well. And it's funny because this was, it, this is that book where every once in a while they pull out all the old, like, Joe stuff where they're all got, like, their 
toy uniforms on and the the trouble bubbles and the, everything it's the most, like that. It's, this is the most traditional of the of the yeah. other than G.I. Joe Real American Hero, which is a continuation of the Larry Hammer story. But this is right. like you had the cars with the missiles on top show up and whatever. Yeah. Those names and, uh, but uh, but the, that was really my, my thought. About it. I was like, well, the art really took a took a step up in in a big way. That was, I was yeah, no, it was it's real good. It's it's a little, it's it's more of action based than the other mm-hmm. ones, but it's fun and that's uh, fine. Now, Ron- <laughs> my 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 other pick of the week, <laughs> my other pick of the week candidate, <laughs> which Connor, I'm wondering if you know why I'm all about this issue. I'm uh, curious to hear it. Uh, Batman Odyssey number six. Uh-huh. Uh, now I don't know. I need to go back to the previous issues because this might have been the case throughout the whole series. But has Sinkevich been inking him the entire time? This is the first time I noticed it, but it, it could have been. Yeah, I think I it was know. the first because I, I heard that he was falling behind, and so maybe they brought in Sinkevich to help with the inks. It's but been a while since the issues come out, so it's possible this is the first time. You've got Neil Adams writing and drawing, and now you've got him and Sinkevich inking this. Does it get any better than that? <laughs> you know what the thing is? I it's been a while since I'd read a Neil Adams written story, so yeah. I was under the impression that this is a recent development that he's insane. But no. if you watch the video show, clearly uh, back in the seventies when he did Superman and Muhammad Ali, he was also insane. So he's insane. I, I'd say it's a very good track record of insane. This book is crazy. <laughs> it's- <laughs> It's, it's the new X-Men forever. The last page was the same image as the cover, but completely different characters were involved. <laughs> where Batman decides to take a nap because he's just tired. Like, it was great at one point. Like, you've got... So, the, the whole story comes to a crescendo. And in the Batcave is Alfred, Robin, Dead Man, Rajal Ghoul, and... Who was that? Primer or whatever his name is? Yeah, well, we're... Like, yeah. A, a Robin ripoff. And they're talking through... And, and Bruce Wayne's in just, like, a khakis and a dress shirt... And he's arguing with Raj, and he's trying to figure out what's going on. And then Bruce Wayne just goes, fine, I need to take a trip. But first, I'm going to take a nap. And he he falls asleep on the floor of the Batcave. And then Deadman just loses it. He's like, after a nap, Doom is at the door, and you're taking a nap? And Alfred goes, he does like to sleep on the Batcave floor. In the middle of the conversation, he just gets out on the floor and goes to sleep. Like it wasn't like it was like he got ahead like of like a, a cot or bed. Like, just, I thought like, something. Ha- like I thought he got drugged or something, but no, he just went to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> it's nuts. It's crazy. It's fantastic. I love it. And Sinkevich, it gets it can't get any better than that. <laughs> so that's what happens when only six when I only buy six books. <laughs> that's my pick of the week. I just decided. Uh, there you go. I wanted to talk real quickly about the Superman eighty-page giant. 2011 one shot this is totally the kind of book that i would not have bought in the past but i saw like this it's one it's basically i don't know if it's like a tryout book but it's a bunch of people who are you know clearly at the point where they're kind of breaking in at least the writers and they you know this is one of the ways that happens they do like a bunch of short stories in the superman universe and i actually really enjoyed this connor did you get this no no No. wow i don't usually go Uh, to these giants unless i like the creative teams yeah, I just I just went to to check it out and there's like a it starts off with like a really good story drawn by Cafu from Thunder Agents about uh, Jor-El back on Krypton as the sort of planet's going down and and the I like Cafu. situation there. Joe Caramagna, known for his lettering, did a Supergirl story in here. There's a Bizarro story which I I couldn't tell you what it was about, but it was drawn by Dan McDade, so it's really good looking. It was a really nice like fun, good-looking story. Was, there was a Perry White and Wildcat meet in a bar story that was fun. Colin Coover and Paul Tobin wrote a Lois Lane story. It's kind of uh, like DC's Strange Tales. It sounds like. Yeah, it kind of. It's a, it was a little more as much as DC will allow that to be, which is yeah, yeah. But I feel I feel no. like those eighty-page giants should they should have fun with it. You know what yes. I mean? Yeah, it, and so. it was like there was a good like there was a good Superboy story drawn by Eddie Barrows where like he <laughs> he just meets a werewolf eating a cow. 
Okay. And he's like, hey, stop eating that cow. And then they fight for a couple of minutes and the world's like, hey, you want to hang out? And he's like, no, nah, I got to go. That's basically the whole plot of it. But, you know, it worked. It was fun. Eddie Barrow is a hell of an artist. I don't, I don't know why. I don't know why he did this. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, like he should be on a big book all the time. He's but, on Superman. Yeah, does he get bigger than that? He's drawn the Walk Across America. Right, I know, but I didn't know if he was still on it. Well, he didn't do the last one. I don't know what happened. Yeah, I, I guess it's kind of a big book, but it's also not. You know? it's it was. Of, it's, it's, a, it's a big book. I guess it is. Yeah, I guess it's fine. Anyways, it was. I was. I was happy. I bought it. It was. It was. It was worth it. And it was like it was. It's fun because we read so many long stories. The, the short stories. I'm starting to appreciate them more, which I never used to. So go to ifanboy.com slash comics. You can see all the books that came out during the week. You can do your pull list and you can come back and then uh, after you've read your books and rate and review them. And we've got a couple of users from ifanboy. In fact, we've got a unique uh, user review segment here today. Connor, do you want to set this up? We're doing a point counterpoint. We're picking two reviews, reviewing the same book. Wildly different reactions to that same book. So this is a point-counterpoint user review feature. I'll go first. You read the second one. We'll do do different voices. This is the point. Connor, you ignorant slut. Resurrection Flan uh, reviewed Iron Man 500.1, gave the story a 2 out of 5, and the art a 2 out of 5. And at the time of this, 3% of everybody in the iFanboys made it their pick of the week. This is the first .1 book, by the way, right, that came out? Yes. Okay, so what Resurrection Flan says, okay, now imagine how boring it would be to actually be in that AA meeting. I mean, without all the Fin Fang Foom and Teen Tony flashback panels. Talk about being vague. Without the images, it's just a nebulous story with no, quote, let's just say details, wink. Give me a break. If this is supposed to prep new readers, I guess it's a good taste of Fraction's Iron Man. Tony blathering on and on and on while looking pensively into the middle distance. Seriously, it's no wonder Cap and Pepper don't want to hang out with him. He's a walking goo computer who can't STFU about himself. I censored that. Well, no, he censored it as well. Also, all the scenes without Josh Holloway, LaRocca looked like he actually had to draw, and it looked pretty good. Too bad most of the book is said blank stare action on Tony. Props to Pepper for telling Tony to get lost, though, so that's plus one for the story. Time to win the future, my friends. So that's the negative opinion of point. So that's one take. Yeah. Sir Dave 101 has the counterpoint for Iron Man 500.1, and he gave the story a 5 out of 5, and the art a 4 out of 5, and Sir Dave 101's counterpoint to Resurrection Flan is... Having only gotten back into comics in the last six months, after a 10-plus year lapse, one of the books that I had been meaning to check out monthly was the Iron Man title. So when I grabbed 500.1, I expected a quick origin retelling followed by some flashbacks of key moments Fraction would be pulling upon in his upcoming arcs. What I got, however, was what I could only assume is a very personal story from Fraction, possibly mirroring some of his own experiences <laughs> on the road to recovery. Oh, the way I see it, you can get all the important plot summaries of a character on a wiki search, but it takes a writer to show you how the soul of a character makes you care about him. For this reason, I think Iron Man 500.1 was a grand slam that I hope the other point one issues can live up to. Now, I assume I'm the only one who read this issue. Yes. I will, I will weigh in on the correct verdict. All right. Point, counterpoint. Who is correct? They both actually have a point. Ah, uh, uh, oh, middle ground. No, 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 I'm going to I'm gonna get to this. The, the, basically, the, the deal is, is that Josh Holloway goes up in front of an AA meeting. <laughs> and and you know, listen, here's what I know. Sawyer, he's a good-looking man. But this man is not a good-looking Sawyer. I don't know how that works, but something's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's not his face. It's just not right. He goes up in front of an AA meeting, and he talks about his life in these broad strokes. And as he does that, they flash back to the things that he's actually talking about. And I looked, I thought it was a different artist, but it's not. It really is LaRocca. And I was like, I like this other style. So why, he should draw it like that. It's actually kind of reminiscent of like a Scott Collins kind of style, the, the, the good kind of Scott Collins. The, uh, the, yeah, yeah, very line-based. And I, and I liked that. I, it's weird because it is, this is a 
if this, this is supposed to be a jumping on point, it was good, but I don't see the marketability of this particular thing. If they're trying it's, to get people to come back in, it's so I'm like I'm not surprised. It's typical. I mean, unfortunately, it's typical. Look, you know, Marvel like what they do is like this is a, it's it's not a jumping on point for people to discover Iron Man. It's people for who previously read Iron Man to jump back in. Yeah, the point one books are not for new fans. It's for current fans. They're yeah. trying to just well, get more of the same dwindling pool of people. To they're trying to get books. people back. Yeah, I just yeah. feel like I, I and listen. I, I read, I've read most of Invincible Iron Man. I'll read it again when the next sort of omnibus comes out because I think it reads well all in one piece, and it's good. It's really well done. But it's not the book that I think people are. This isn't going to make people want to buy Iron Man who aren't already buying it. Is I, I guess my point. But I will say, like I've been to AA meetings, and he actually he really got he got it very right. Like he got the details of it. So that was actually really kind of cool. It was like it was good, but I don't see it. I don't see it achieving the the thing it set off to do. That's my question with these books: is what are they trying to achieve? And now it seems all even more muddled. I'm going to read the Wolverine one next week because I like you know Wolverine and Jason Aaron. But I'm curious as to what the whole point of these books is. It was, I mean, it was interesting. I was reading it the whole time. I was like, "That's these are weird choices." Is that is the girl who's supposed to be Pepper on the front? Is that Linda Hamilton from from T two? What I don't even know. It's weird. Anyway, stupid Josh Holloway. Hey, uh, <laughs> if you want to uh, write your own user reviews, go to ifanboy.com slash comics. You can choose your books and rate and review them. And that's still the best part of Wednesday is to go through and be like three, four, two. Give it two every once in a while. That's fun. And then you can write reviews. And and if if you're lucky. If you're one of the very special few, we'll read them on the show here. Also, as I have the next thing to do, you can help iFanboy out because it is a user-supported endeavor. You guys are the ones who make it happen. You take responsibility for making sure that that the whole thing chugs on like the mighty train that it is. So if you listen to the show, you read the website, you watch the videos – any of that, and you appreciate it, uh, there's a bunch of ways that you can help out. Click on the banners, uh, visit the, so the sponsors. These are the, the folks who can tour you directly. You can do that. You can go to ifilm.com slash Amazon, and you can click on the little Powered by Amazon button, and that'll bring you to Amazon, and, and everything you buy, it kicks a, little, kicks a little something our way, and it doesn't cost you anything. Just uh, just Amazon like normal. You can buy T-shirts. We have Fear Agent shirts ready to go, and they're very nice, drawn by Jerome Pena, who is uh, the next big star. I'm telling you it's going to happen. Or the most direct way to contribute is to be a member, and that's where you are saying, you know what, this is really important to me. I want to I want to actually directly contribute some cash to, to iFanboy going forward. And you can either sign up for $4 a month or $42 a year or $10 a month or $100 a year if, if you really want to make – if you want to take over somebody else's burden basically or it's that important to you. And the people who do, uh, we thank you very much. We gave away a lot of stuff to members who came to that party um, and we'll have more. If you become a member, you will get a sticker. You will get uh, some buttons, pins. You will get a comic book. It could be wildly awful or it could be very good and that's sort of the fun. If you're at the higher level, you get a t-shirt as well and I think that's all that there is to say about it. But you guys are the ones who, uh, who make iFanboy happen. We thank you for that. All right, on to the email. Our first email comes from Justin, who says, I've been wondering for some time if there's some sort of tendency in comic book fans to live up to the stereotype that has been ingrained in people's minds through parodies such as Comic Book Guy from The Simpsons. If you find yourself liking things that, uh, that have the social stigma of being geeky, do you feel inclined to behave the way society dictates you should? Oh, this is deep. Are comic book fans obsessive-compulsive individuals who focus so intently on the minutia of fictional wor- worlds that they spend their days working out who is theoretically more powerful than another, or how Batman wins in a fight against, insert character here? I suppose this branches out into the discussion of whether shows such as The Big Bang Theory are laughing at geek culture or laughing with it. This leads me to my question. Who wins in a fight between Batman and James Bond? I see what he did there. Oh, Josh, you, this is up your alley. You love this I'm topic. I'm sick of it. Yeah. You're I, sick no, of it. I'm just, I'm You're sick of the it. Batman versus James Bond question? No, that one is Batman. But so um, it's, all the rest of it is just... It's, it's always just, Batman, right? 
for the question. Yeah. That's just that's the joke. Yeah. If you, okay, then we don't have to talk about it. No, but I am no. sick of it. I think the big I think the Big Bang thing, Bang Theory. Like I, I was like, these are just stereotypes. It's not funny anymore. It's an old joke. It's not even a funny joke anymore. Well, it's a like half-hour sitcoms. I mean, so that's, that's no, the no. I don't already. mean that. I just mean the the general notion of like, oh, that's us. Like, yeah. I I don't want to be that. I don't want comic books to be that. I want comic books to be. No one is like, oh, a guy who goes to the movies, such a geek. Right. Like, you don't have to be a geek to read a comic book, and that's what pisses me off because there's this idea that people, oh, I'm not going to read comic books. I'm not a kid. I'm not a geek. I'm not whatever. It's just a story. It's a way to tell a story, and and like this thing that we ourselves keep perpetuating over and over. Yes, I realize the irony given the name of the site that we came up with ten years ago. <laughs> it it's I I just think it's it's more harmful than helpful uh, at the end, and and I get that there's like a well, no, we're taking it back. It's a pride thing, but yeah, yeah. All right, you said but it. who wins versus the Daniel Craig Bond versus the Christian Bale Batman? Ooh, is it a sexy off? It's a, it could be a sexy off because it if be it's a, a sexy fight on the off, beach. Oh, it's definitely it's Craig. <laughs> you guys, uh, you guys got a room. All right, he's, next he's email. <laughs> Adam writes and says, "I'm away from my wife and family doing a military course for five months." I'm looking for need-to-have comics. It might not be much help, but I love both Kick-Ass and the Wanted comics, Dark Knight Returns and Strikes Back, and, of course, Scott Pilgrim and Deadpool. I seem to really like a spin on traditional superhero universes and maybe with darker tones. I would prefer completed collections trades because the city I'm in only has two comic stores, so searching for each issue is difficult. Oh, this is easy. All right. I would say Astro City. Fuck you. Good yeah, one. it's a spin on you know traditional superhero. He wants completed collections, but like the Astro City stories are self-contained; they're completed, so you can just get like get get the confession storyline. That's all you need, or get yeah. Life in the Big City. Either of those yeah. two. Yeah, I will say Invincible, book we mentioned earlier in the show, is definitely a, a spin on the traditional superhero, but a bit more dark, a bit more violent than you're going to get in the DC and Marvel books. So if you like sort of kick-ass wanted, but also super traditional superhero stuff. You know, get the first invent- couple of invincible trades. There, are, there's twelve at this point, or something like that. So, if you like it, you'll have a lot to read. If you, if it doesn't, you do find yourself into. I'm gonna say to check out Joe Casey's Wildcats. That's volume two and volume three. But I would also push you to get out of superheroes just a little bit. You like Scott Pilgrim? Check out Preacher. There's a lot of that stuff you're looking for in it's there. Quality, and it's good, and it's completed. It's a thing. Like I think, I think, I think you're gonna love that. That's what I say. All right, well, write in and let us know. Let us know whether you like any of those books. And if you have any questions, you can email us at contact.ifanboy.com. On to the voicemail. It's been a couple of weeks since we've done the voicemails, and uh, we got a first question. Hey, guys, I got a quick question for you. Tank the Crank from Woodstock, Connecticut. I am part of a uh, reading club at work, and the average age of the people in the reading club, I would say, is about probably uh, mid-50s to late-50s. And it is my turn to pick the next book, and I was leaning towards doing a graphic novel. Now, obviously, V for Vendetta is probably not the best choice for, um, you know, a group of that, that age. So I'm kind of throwing it out to you. Do you guys have any suggestions uh, for maybe a reading selection for people who are in their late 50s, um, early 60s? Thanks, guys. So this is a bit of a challenge. Yeah, we, we, don't, we don't often get the, uh, the baby boomers. They're not going to be in a Scott Pilgrim so much. Not so much, no. Do, do, you, do you have any, any suggestions? Lost yes. Girls? Lost Girls, nice. I would say, uh, uh, what's the, what's the, what are the, the Tom Hanks and the uh, Vigo movies? Road History to Perdition and the, and, and the, yeah, Vi- and the History of Violence. History, or whatever. Violence. I thought, History of Violence is pretty. Well, yeah, no, but I feel History like. History of Violence is pretty gruesome. But no, but yeah. I'm, looking, I'm looking for the, the using the movie, you know. It, well, um, then maybe not. Maybe Road to Perdition then, you know. Check out Facts from Sarajevo. 
Interesting. Uh, by Joe Kubert. Yeah. Mouse. Um, mouse. Mouse is yeah, mouse. That is might true. hit close to home. It's pretty obvious. No, I, I don't know how, how old you think old people are now, but <laughs> I'm kidding. Fifties were in World War Two, right? <laughs> yeah, there was one other one, and when you said that, it just knocked it out of my head. My uh, oh, uh, Joe Sacco. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Check out Palestine or uh, Safe Area Garage. I, f- I assume if they're in a book group, they're somewhat informed about the world and would like to know more about it. Those are sort of forms of comics journalism. I mean, I, I feel like those go over well, and they surprise people with sort of their their detail and, and maturity. What was that book? What is that book that Vertigo just put out? The Cuba one that Neesman was raving my, about. My Revolution. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of things well. like for some reason I'm assuming yeah. people in their fifties and sixties want to read things that are steeped in reality. Uh, but I could be wrong. I don't know why. Maybe. Oh, no, that was actually a good, really good one. So yeah. That's a good choice. That's pretty good. Um, my Cancer Year from Harvey Picar is sort of autobiographical. Mm-hmm. The Two Generals. Oh, The Two Generals is fantastic. It's a good one. It's a yeah. nice book too. What was the other war one we talked about last year? The one that you liked a lot. Vietnam, uh, Dong Shui, no, Vietnam, nineteen sixty-five. No, no, the, uh, the World War Two one. Allen's War. Yes. Allen's War from First Second Press. Uh, Emmanuel, I forget the name. I'm sorry, but uh, that uh, that was a great book. It's sort of a memoir. Uh, really beautiful art in that too. Or Lost Girls. Lost Girls. I, again, Always go with Lost Girls. You no, know what? Because no. you drop Lost Girls in the middle of a group, who knows what's going to happen? <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> don't, I don't ever listen to Connor when that's the... <laughs> on to our next, on to our next qu- voicemail, which got a question about the crazy. Hey, guys. This is Patrick from Winchester, Kentucky. I've been reading through some of the old uh, X-Men Essentials, and I'm wondering, when exactly did Chris Claremont go batshit crazy? Um, can you pinpoint the issue, issues that have happened? Was it a slow progression over time? Was it a quick psychological break? Just curious if y'all can help me kind of nail that down. I'd really appreciate it. Thanks. Bye-bye. Well, that, that's part of the magic of Chris Claremont, that if you ask <laughs> me, he didn't really go crazy until like X-Men Forever number one, which is very recently. You could argue that he went crazy during Extreme X-Men, although that was fairly straightforward. I don't necessarily think the old Uncannies, in, you know, that the Uncanny X-Men they wrote in the 70s, 80s were all that crazy. I mean, also they made sense at the time. Um, I don't think they're crazy either. I've, I've got yeah. those collections, but... I th- do you think the weight of all of those storylines and characters eventually just drove him insane? Or no, no, no. I think I think that he. I think it's just it's just it's with age. It's onset. You know, just it's come on as he's got older. But the thing is I, that if I in no way endorse these these. If you theories. if you look at it though, if you look, I mean, like Inferno is kind of crazy. I mean, like demons and stuff like that. But it's not too out there. And then also, what what was the other, oh the whole siege perilous. Roma, like all that stuff, wasn't it? Wasn't it was crazy, but not crazy in the way that you laugh at it. It was crazy in that it was like creative and fantasy based and stuff like that. X Men Forever is batshit crazy. Well, I think if you look back, there are crazy elements like Maddie Pryor and that whole mess with. Uh, well, she was a clone. Yeah, but that, I mean, that's I mean, you're you got your girlfriend and then she dies and the clone comes along. Yeah, I mean, it just it gets a little. There's, I think there's I, elements. Listen, there's, there's, ha- warning, there's warning signs. There's warning signs. Yeah, there definitely is warning signs. Yes, I agree. I yeah. remember like get, I think Inferno books and Mister Sinister, and I thought this this shit's crazy. Yeah. Well, for me, so it was that, just, that was the, that was the status quo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you got used to it. You were inside the funhouse. So right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 But I remember going, "This is weird." Yeah. And now it's just like he's like, "Well, I." Let's just let's just put those ideas out there and not worry about them too much. Yeah, either. he's got nothing to lose. I I, I respect kind of him. Fascinating, just killing everyone in that book. Yeah, well that yeah, well it was Shakespearean. Also, what was crazy back in the day with the Hellfire Club and stuff like that was his like you know his subversive S and M influence. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty crazy. I mean, yeah. Anyway, all right. So on to the next voicemail. Got a 
question about a classic character that Tom Gators could probably answer better than us. Hey guys, this is Wes from St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, I just got done watching the Superman Shazam animated short that DC put out a while ago and really liked it. So I was just wondering, do you know of any good Shazam or Captain Marvel family stories out there that would be good for maybe a Shazam newbie? The only things I've really read with the Shazam family in it have been you know, 52 and Kingdom Come and kind of more supporting roles. So if there's anything you know of, really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Talk to you later. There was an all-ages book that just came out. There was The Power of Shazam. I didn't read much of that. But before that, coming out of 52, there was a 12-issue series written by Judd Winnick that, that was very good yes. called The Trials of Shazam. And it was about Freddie Freeman, who was the Captain Marvel Jr., I guess. And he had taken over the Captain Marvel mantle. And it was a really good introduction to that world. And it, it sort of removed the the cheesiness that people came to associate with it. Um, I, I really enjoyed that. Art was by um, Howard Porter for half of it and uh, uh, Cassioli, Mauro Cassioli. Yeah, I think that was it. Yeah. Um, great, great little story. I mean, like really, Kingdom Come is actually a really good – he, he mentioned that in the, in the call. Yeah. But Jeff Smith had a two-part prestige format. That was oh, yeah, that was good. Yep. What was that called? That wasn't good. Oh, I liked that. I really liked it. Yeah. No, no one did. That was not many people did, but it was there. It's it's more of the traditional sort of goofy. And I think you know the problem is Captain Marvel needs to be goofy a little yeah. bit. Well, go and back. I mean, so. Tom Caters wrote a post about Captain Marvel a couple yeah. weeks ago, and and it was about the classic 1940s and 50s Captain Marvel, and it was goofy. It was you know there's a talky tawny. Come on, you know. In Starman, there was a crossover with it, and yes. it was a little goofy in there. And the first time that I read it a couple of years ago, I thought it was terrible. But this most recent time I went through it, I was like, kind of appreciated that in an odd way. Cool. Yeah, no, I, think, I, I, I feel like he was kind of goofy in Kingdom Come, though. You know what I mean? Like, well, that made him terrifying yeah. because he yeah. was kind of yeah. that worked. Like that, 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 that blank it. smile. Ugh. Yeah. 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 Anyway. <laughs> All right, cool. So uh, our last voicemail has got a question about the next collected edition from DC. Hey, I fanboy. This is Corey from Cleveland calling. Just wanted your opinion on what do you think DC should turn into an absolute format next? Personally, I think they should Alan Davis with JLA the Nail. With, that, with him riding high on Avengers Prime, they need to put his work in an absolute format. So just want to get your opinion. Thanks a lot. Love the show. Bye. Now, everyone knows I'm a huge Alan Davis fan, and actually and I just reread The Nail and The Nail sequel. Thank you, Connor. Um, but I don't, th- I don't see that, that getting made an absolute, because while Alan Davis did a great job on that Avengers, I don't think the market is bearing an absolute, I think. you know, um, It's not long enough. No, well, you put both stories together, and it is. Oh, yeah, yeah. There was two. It's a yeah. sequel, and it, there was there were. Oh, okay, big. yeah. You know, just if you if you go pure fantasy, that would never happen. I would love a day trippers one, but that's never going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would. I personally, in, in the same vein, I would love to see. I'd love to see top ten. That was all that other yeah. stuff got put in there, and that one didn't. I thought it'd be the detail in that really big would be awesome. Yeah, really this is, cool. yeah. It's kind of what I'm. It actually is kind of bizarre. That it's not. Although Tom Strong didn't either. Um, yeah. But Tom Strong got those deluxe ones, and, and sure, but that's 10. not an absolute. I'm guessing Tom Tom Strong didn't even get, or I, I don't know. What I'm was the last really 10. epic miniseries from DC that hasn't been collected like that? I don't really know. What else is like? There hasn't been a really like we, we won and, the All Star Superman battle. Yeah, um, ba- Batman Black and White. I mean, no, no, no. There isn't really anything that jumps out to my mind. Yeah, because uh, you know, really, because you know, absolute needs to be needs to be important. Special about it. Yeah, yeah. and. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's something we could really think on it and find something that hasn't been, but for the most part, nothing. There's nothing. Teen really Titans versus X Men. <laughs> that also wouldn't be yeah, long enough, but awesome. <laughs> I still, you know, 
I would love a Darwin Cook Spirit one. Again, that will never get made. But yeah, that would the be, twelve issues. Oh, that would be perfect. Working. That would be perfect. Yeah. yeah. Oh. I just want a. I just want a collection. Give me a one collection of that, and I will buy it. That's uh, probably the one that should the most. I, I mean, I'd love to see top ten for myself, but uh, yeah, yeah. All right. So if you got if you got some suggestions about what should be the next absolute, shoot us a voicemail at one eight 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 fanboys. It's one eight 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 three two six two six nine seven. And if you can't get enough of iFanboy, you can go subscribe to iFanboy Don't Miss, which is our sometimes weekly podcast that comes out where we talk to a creator about a book that's coming out this upcoming week. And listen, we've been busy. So <laughs> but we'll be back soon with iFanboy Don't Miss. Subscribe to it in iTunes and it will be awesome. You won't regret it. That is your show. But if you want more, you can check out you see like that. You can check out iFanboy.com no, for the pick of the week. <laughs> review and more in-depth discussion on all the stuff that's going on there really good week at the website lots of discussion about all sorts of things going on that matter to those of us who read comics and then also a lot of a lot of fun things too you can check out word balloon podcast those last couple of jeff parker shows were fantastic and then you go to ifm.com slash about to see social network links and places you can follow us like uh, twitter.com slash ifanboy for example you can also watch the video show last week was the vault and this week we are taking you inside the halls of one of the big two comic book companies. Never before guess? seen access. Never before. Yeah. I kind of don't want to give it away. Yeah. But there's really only two choices. <laughs> and talk to some editors from that place. And it, it's uh, it's pretty neat. Yeah, it's, I think, Viz Media? I think people are going to dig it. They're here in San Francisco. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think people are going to dig this episode. I'm really excited to see it come out. Yeah. We've yeah. never done anything like this before. And I don't know of anybody else who did either. So, uh Watch for that. Check it out on Wednesday. Um, and a new video show. So kind of new video show we don't even know about. If you've got any questions, you can email us at contact.ifanboy.com or leave a voice about 188fanboys. It's 1-888-326-2697. Keep it brief, limited to 30 seconds. Let us know who, your name, where you're from. Also in the emails, let us know that information. We'd love to hear from you, so uh, please write in. Good batch of voicemails this week. Everyone did well. Yeah. I'm not and in finally, my house. I don't know why the phone's ringing. I'm sorry. Finally, if you, if you, you know, like the show, write a review on iTunes. It's the easiest thing you can do to help that and don't miss show and the video show, all that stuff. Let's, let's try to beat Josh's ringing phone to the end of the show. Yeah. Uh, tell your friend, tell your mom, tell, your, tell everyone. Yay, I fanboy. Okay, so until next week, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. I am Josh, but I don't know who that was. Who is, the, is the phone for you? It's not. I, no. I, do you want to get it while we wait? Or? Yeah, well, hey. No, I, I don't know. I, know. I don't live here. I'm sorry. Now they're not home. Uh-huh.